Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Ode to Joy podcast. I am so excited that you're all here. We're going to get right into it. Today, we have a beautiful guest. Her name is Morgan Rose, and she is a wonderful human being. How can we describe her? She's a yogi. She's a seasonal teacher. And not only that, but she is someone who I met at a very important and crucial moment in my life when I was 23 years old. My father just been diagnosed with brain cancer, and she was my witchy sister who taught me some of the most important tools that helped me through that entire process. You know, Morgan was the person who showed me how to create my first altar. Um, and so I'm just so excited to bring her onto the show. Welcome, Morgan. Hi, honey. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So, wow, 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 wow. Um, lots to talk about today, but we're going to jump right into it. So today we are talking obviously about joy. And so on the O to Joy podcast, I'm bringing in some amazing voices, amazing personalities and teachers to talk about how they've cultivated joy in their lives. So we're going to begin with a little rapid fire questions for you, Morgan. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So what color to you is most joyful? Mm, Like gold sparkles. Mm, Love it. What musical genre is most joyful to you? It really depends on the time of year. Right now, I'm just like full tilt classical music on all day. And it just helps me to like feel easeful and slow and to pay attention a little bit more. I love that. Any particular composer or artist? No, I'm just like in that Spotify, like mix it all up sort of thing. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm loving Chopin lately too. It's like that really (laughs) delicate, feels like the fall leaves just coming down. And oh, I love that. Mm, Beautiful. Okay. What famous figure most inspires or influences your joy? Mm, I love that. Oof. You know, it's like, I guess one of my yoga teachers, this woman, Naveen Mishan, is she is like, she's the founder, creator of Katona Yoga and her whole sort of take on the practice is like recipes for joy and about living like a really joyful and like mentally healthy experience. Um, But I'm just such a, it's like, I think I look out to nature and I'm finding that to be the easiest, quickest, fastest inroad into feeling really sparked with joy um, Mm. through my experience of witnessing nature. Mm, 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 mm. So in that road, on that road, how would you define joy? I think joy is, yeah, being plugged in, like that sense of being connected, um, Joy, I think, is experiencing yourself as bigger and wider than just the body. Um, And I see, and I think this is probably in line with a lot of your work, is that like, I think joy isn't just about, it's not about being happy. It's like you can have 
sorrowful joy and you can have joy that like crumbles you and makes you weep. Um, and so I think it is just about like how plugged in and connected and like plugged into energy, the planet, the cosmos, whatever, um, can you, can you be so that you're available to the joy that's already like pulsing and riding everywhere. Mm, mm. That reminds me of Elizabeth Gilbert and Big Magic when she talks about like the muse coming in on the wind and how it's just you have to make yourself available to receive that. Ooh, by the way, everyone, Morgan is writing a book right now. Also, very exciting. She is, I mean, how can we even describe it? It's it's a book of poetry, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of just like a poetic journey through the seasons uh, mm-hmm. from my very porous emotional standpoint. <laughs> we love it. We love it. How did you, so, so that's a very interesting, um, path to take. And I feel like so much, so many of us lately, especially as women are opening ourselves up to that experience of saying yes to that creative muse that comes in. And it is a real opening up to the joy, but I'm sure you have had this experience too, since I've just finished editing my first book, which is coming out in January, everybody glamorously grieving. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's, it's also a process of like breaking yourself completely down. Like you were saying is, is allowing yourself to crumble in the joy. And so, you know, I'm curious to hear how has that process been for you in putting your words down on paper um, and being present with yourself through what comes. If yeah, that makes sense. totally. I think, you know, there's both this experience for me of being like present and in it and like jumping in and like being an active participant in my like my work. And then there's also this piece of like, I can't look at it too long. Like I can't like, I have to like slide away. Otherwise I'm going to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm writing this. Or like, why did I say that? Or, you know, I'm really going to show people that side of me. Um, and so there, there is this piece of like, not engaging with it, like intellectually and just kind of like letting it come out of me. Um, Mm. But also like I, I was having uh, lunch with my dad this afternoon and I was saying to him how I, I don't, I, I'm in this experience where I'm in like the process of this experience right now where I've never felt so, maybe not never, but I feel like this has to happen. Like the, like I'm like in, I'm being carried in the current, like there's no other direction than forward and writing this book is moving forward. Like it has to be written and it has to be published. And there's just like, there's actually no other option, um, Mm. which is a really cool feeling. And I'm sure you probably feel something similar. That's like, Mm even if there was a piece of me that was like, nah, like screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to divert. Like, I don't even think it could happen. Like I think all like other things would just begin to crumble and it would be like, no, you, you've decided you like wrote the contract and signed it. And like your blood is on the page. So (laughs) get this thing. finished. (laughs) That's exactly it. And it's like, it's really opening yourself up to the divine in a sense. And 
becoming that clear channel, but it's also like you were saying is, is just moving downstream. You know, now that you've said yes to it and said yes to, I guess like even just taking yourself seriously in that way and being like, you know what? I am here for a reason. I have gained so much wisdom in my years and it's time to share it. I mean, doesn't yes. it really feel like, I mean, it's like a, this, this, honestly, it's a joyful celebration of being like, heck yeah, I have been through some SHIT and mm-hmm. through that I have become a diamond and it's time yeah. to share that and teach other people how to tap in and tune into that for themselves. Um, I'm curious think, with, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, this idea of taking yourself seriously was so huge for me in the beginning. And I, I had this moment where I was like in my meditation and it was like, just as I was like starting to chew on this idea of like really creating the book. And I, saw this like flash of like Morgan, the writer come into my like consciousness and right away, like totally like froze and like, couldn't take it seriously. And it was this huge moment for me of like, I've built this identity over these years of becoming a yoga teacher. And it's like, I am that through and through, like I I trust myself in that role. And I'm, it's very easy for me to claim that seat. And there was all of this work to be done around like actually claiming the seat of the writer and like sitting in it in a, in a very bold way, like front front facing way. Um, and so that was like a lot of my work this year around like taking myself seriously as I would sit down to write and really creating like a container for that to happen and not, not just like flippantly sitting down to write, you know, but like, deciding like, no, this is important. And so you have to show up in a way that's different than you've showed up in the past. And, and for me, so much of that is actually around like clothing. And so I had this whole, yes, I had this whole thing, like where I was like, I can't show up in my like yoga teacher garb to write. I have like this very curated image in my mind of who the, who the writer is. And, and she shows up differently. Um, and so there was a lot of like deconstructing and rebuilding that had to happen um, to, to do it, which was cool. Mm, That's, I've been really chewing on that for the last few weeks. I've been really diving into Michelle Pelazon's work of holisticism. And she talks all about bringing in these archetypes to embody, um, the personality that you need to achieve a certain task. And so she also talks about clothing and how, you know, we can, as we clothe ourselves, we take on a different personality. And I feel like for me as a writer, it was always like putting on a blazer, you know, and like going to a local coffee shop and I would have my heels and like my little purse and I'd show up and people would be like, Oh wow. You know, what are you working on? I'd be like, I'm writing a book, you know? And (laughs) even though... And they'd be like, oh, wow, that's so impressive. Da, da, da. And, you know, even though like I, I still don't necessarily consider myself a writer with a capital W as my teacher, Natalie Goldberg says, because I feel like, you know, I am so many different things. It just happens to be that I put words down on paper that I feel might be helpful to people. But I feel like in that way, I was able to claim that, you know, claim that seat and just be like, yep, today I'm a writer and I'm writing my book. And I think it's also really important to create, like you said, those containers. So I'll just share for me, like for me, generally, if I was writing at home, it was number one, definitely doing personal practices to get myself in alignment so that 
whatever was meant to come through was ready. And then it was also putting on the right clothing. Sometimes it would be a turban, you know, to kind of keep all the thoughts like ready to roll. And, um, and then it was for me also like lighting a candle and having sage or Palo Santo just on hand so that as things were coming through, I could sort of clear the space if it was like a really intense emotional passage, but then also just having that presence of a candle. I'm like really big into fire. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I learned this all from you. So Morgan is the person who introduced me to Palo Santo to begin with. She, when she was teaching me how to create an altar, she was lighting this Palo Santo and I was like, wow, what is that smell? I'd never smelled it in my life. And anyway, I think it's like the whole idea behind it is inviting not only spirit into that co-creation, but it, it, it imbues, um, the writing experience with a sense of sanctity, you know, and I mean, and then it's just like getting out of the, getting out of your own way and allowing yourself to be that open channel and being that river. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what, what other things aside from clothing, um, did you bring into this practice of writing and you're still, you're still writing. So still like what writing. are your top tools? Yeah. I'm with you on the candle. It's like, I can't, I have a candle right now burning. I can't right without the can like and and I had like an astrologer say to me years ago she was like you have so much water in your chart that like you have to have some fire and air moving to like get the the water to not be stagnant and um so yeah I always light a candle um definitely some kind of a practice I love to like pull up I have I pull a tarot card and for the day and then I stick it on the wall here. And that's like sort of my, my theme for the, for the moment that I'm here. Um, I have fresh flowers with me. Um, you know, I have to sort of, um, I have scents and smells. I have like essential oils and stuff, you know, it's a, it's a similar thing of like sort of cleanse the palate, like as things are coming through, like how do I not get stuck somewhere? And so like have a sniff of something or like have a drink of something or, you know, it's nice that I'm in this, I'm in my like little studio space. So it's like, go lay on the cushion and, you know, for a moment or whatever. Um, but Yeah. Yeah. You have all your tools. So that brings me into my next question for our listeners, um, which we can just sort of ride on the, on this because I love like Morgan is you go to her house and it's like an apothecary. You know, she has all these tinctures and smells and like cushions and it's just, it's like a, a wonderland of, of joyful tools. And you sit down at the table with her and she'll pour you a cup of tea and the conversation begins to flow. And then all of a sudden she's pulling out books and card decks and crystals. And like, it's, it's, (laughs) it's just the most fun. I mean, it's good. You got to get everybody out there listening, get yourself a witchy friend. Okay. Um, so my next question is really about what of your tools in your apothecary or, or however way you want to describe it. Uh, what are your top tools? Like when you are feeling perhaps a little bit down and you want to tap into that clear channel of joy, what are your favorite tools for that? I'm very curious. You know, I love flower essences. I am like really, that's a big way for me to modulate my internal state. And so, um, that is a practice that I engage with daily, like, you know, depending on what I need, I pull from that. And, 
Um, I typically use Alexis Smart Flower Remedies are amazing. I really, really love her blend. So I'm sort of like dosing myself with that um, on the daily. I also think just like I'm a bath person. So like if I wake up in the morning and I can feel that things are off or even like, you know, when you wake up and you're like, Oh, like I got to cry. So it's like, I'm going to just get in the bath and like have my moment and and do my thing. And one of my teachers says like cook myself in, in the bath. And so like, I'll do that and throw some stuff in, you know, whether it's like salts or flower petals or essential oils. Um, but my practice, like I love my practice and, you know, my pranayama practice is really what supports me um and my blocks like I've just been into like throwing down the blocks and doing like a supported back bend and just giving myself some time with that um and my dog mm. I just like to like just like burying my my face in his fur and like giving myself a moment to sort of feel like an animal you know it's like I get to like slide out of my human skin for a minute when I do that and like feel a little bit more primal. Like I even sort of like bite him, like I bite his <laughs> neck a little bit and like, he, probably likes like it. <laughs> he loves it. He totally loves it. He's a brute. Um, but it's, it's these, mo- it's like, I think I have to engage with these moments very frequently where I don't get too caught up in like Morgan as like this human Morgan. And um, so these moments of like, giving myself the permission to really play in my like imaginal space and like, you know, you could call it meditation or I, you can call it daydreaming, you know, but it's like, how can I just get out of this skin for a moment and slide into something else and then come back and and be more awake and aware of how joyful my experience can be. Right. It's like, I get to watch that my nasturtiums are like still going off in the garden. And like, what is it like to like still be that orange flower? That's like, son, here I am like having that whole experience. And then I come back and I'm like, Oh, Morgan, great. How do we interpret this? Like, how is this going to inspire whatever it is we talk about or teach or how we engage? And it's nice to like, not be so locked into the body. Mm. It reminds me of, um, I don't know particularly the poem, but but for those of you listening, Morgan's work is hugely inspired by Mary Oliver. And it reminds me of that line. What is it where she says, my, my soft animal body? How does it go? Yes. Yes. How does it go? Um, give me a minute. I've got it. I've Morgan, got it right so here. this is the part in which Morgan goes and selects a book from her bookshelf and all of a sudden she opens up a book to find the perfect words, the exact words that you needed in that moment. Here she is leafing through it. But I love that word because, you know, as I think it's especially potent as women, like we forget because so much of society is telling us to paint ourselves a certain way and shave ourselves and wax ourselves and fit ourselves into constricting clothing and to remember that we are animals. I mean, really deep down. I mean, I, like, like I love what you were saying about being with Zala and biting him. <laughs> I feel the same way yeah. about my dog Zora. It's like I watch her and my cat Pandora and I think it's the most... Um, simple way to remember to just pause and notice. Like I love sitting outside with my animals and just seeing what they're looking at and what they're listening to. And 
and just being completely present. I feel like that's what animals teach us. Absolutely. And like how, you know, I think if we have the opportunity to engage with that, I mean, I think of like, you know, kids are so great in that way where they can like see something and then they like want to mirror it in their body, right? They like see Mm -hmm. the cat and they're like, Ooh, I'm going to be a cat right now. And like, we kind of stopped doing that as adults and and that sucks. So, um, here's this, I'm going to read this to you. This is the Mary Oliver. It's wild geese. Of course it is. Right. Okay. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Mm. Wow. That's some soul food right there. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that leads us into my next question for you, um, which is about being a seasonal teacher because Morgan and I are going to be hosting a very special Halloween um, coven-like container for all of you, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, we're bringing in what she calls rituals for the season. And so I'm just curious, how did you come to these practices of tuning into the mother earth and bringing that into your teaching. I sort of began to notice when I was like forming my identity as an adult that, um, I didn't want to stay attached to something for too long. Like I didn't want to decide that like with the nasturtiums, like that, like, orange petals are it. And like that, I'm just going to be orange petals forever. And like, that's not the way it goes. So like I can decide I'm going to be orange petals for a season and then they get dry and crumbly and brown and fall back to the earth. And now I've got to decide to be something else. And like watching nature again, this idea of sort of like mirroring allowed me to have a much more expansive experience. So like I could, shift and change and my ideas about what was important and what mattered to me and practices I wanted to engage with could change, um, more frequently than I was used to knowing, right? Like, and I think in our society, we think of like one big change that happens a year, which is like the new year. And like, you know, I talk about that in my book where it's like, that's the worst time ever to change is like in the depths of winter when you're like literally losing your mind. And then society says like, rewrite yourself and show the world. And it's like, absolutely not like not a chance. This is not the moment for that. So like, you know, I think it was also the more I began to like live my life in accordance with the moon cycles. It was like mirroring that idea that like you can recreate yourself all the time. And, um, as I began to teach, it just made sense that like 
you teach what you're doing and you teach what's important to you and you teach what you need. And so I just began to teach seasonally and it was really fun to see how my students were so supported in that way where like, as I modulated practices to correspond to the natural world, like it was this sneaky way of like getting a group of people to be in rhythm with nature without them like necessarily knowing. And the product of that, um, is that I feel like I have a beautiful community that really values the practices and is open to change, right? Like nature teaches us that things will change and how can you be available to that? Mm. And so that's sort of how it started and kind of how it's going. (laughs) I love that. That's so good. I mean, it's, it's such, it's such like potent and amazing medicine, which like when, when you think about it and you hear about it, you're like, Oh, of course that makes sense. Like seasons, right? Like, duh, you know, but I feel like as humans, like you were saying like for some reason, the way that society and the world is set up, we're not really given these opportunities to stop and pause and be like, okay, we are at a change of season. Like, what are we mourning? What are we letting go of? How are we rebirthing ourselves? And I feel like for me, and perhaps some of our listeners out there can uh, relate with everything that's been happening over the last two years, like we've been constantly changing and shifting and new protocols and new this and new that. And we're constantly having to move and live our lives. And so there's been so much upheaval that we're also not really pausing because it's like we're already, our nervous systems are already at this like level of like, okay, what else? What's next? So I feel like giving ourselves this pause to be like, yes, we are changing seasons. What, what did you go through over the summer? What did you, you know, what are you diving into in the winter? So that brings us into the autumn that we're coming, that we're in now. Um, and I feel like it's, um, it's sort of like a weird growing pain to come into this uh, relationship, which like I said, makes so much sense, but to give ourselves that permission, for example, yesterday. So right now I'm, I'm, as we're recording this, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I'm in Seattle. And so we're very much like in fall here and you know, the skies are gray and it rains a lot. I mean, it's Seattle, so it's moody, but it's just so delicious. And I, I, I found myself just wanting to go on a walk yesterday and put on my headphones and I started listening to Philip Glass and I was having this very, you know, kind of Nicole Kidman in the hours uh, moment where I was just like, yeah, I'm moody. And, but it was perfect. Cause I was like, oh my God, it felt like popping the cork of being like, this is what I've been waiting for you know, of, of coming into that connection with the moodiness of the changing of the leaves and the dying off and the, you know, preparing to turn inward. I'd been like resisting it, you know, like still wearing my little booty shorts and my tank tops and being like, it's still kind of warm and New York, it's like still 75 degrees. So it's confusing, you know, but I finally, you know, just let myself melt into it. And having that moment of recognition, I think was the hugest thing. And it just reminded me of, of your work. Mm, thank you for that. Yes. Mm. You know, I think it's, I think the cool thing about it is like, it is so intuitive once you begin to flex that muscle, like once you, you know, kind of like remember that you're a part of nature, it like it, you can lean into it. It's like, Oh, I don't have to just like be my like vibing summer self all the time because I'm going to just burn out. And when you, when you get that permission to like begin to let things go and begin to downshift and like drop back into yourself 
in a new way, it you're like, oh yeah, this works. These practices work for me. It's not like so out there and wild that like you can't grasp it and make it your own. Right. Oh, it's so juicy. It's so juicy. Um, so that leads us into telling you guys a little bit about this offering that we're doing together, co-creating uh, with the Griefcation, which is um, my baby that basically brings together women uh, to be in community and honor our grief and take time out Um to retreat and actually sit with it. And I feel like, especially with everything that's been happening in the world, like we need to sit with our grief. And I feel like what better time to honor that than this, um, changing of the seasons and on Halloween specifically, um, I'm very, uh, into Dia de los Muertos and sort of all of those, um, rituals and celebrations that happen during that time, because, it is a time when, like we say, the veil between worlds becomes really thin. And I feel like I'm really getting into that vibe here, walking the streets of this very fall Pacific Northwest, that you get a sense that there's I I don't know, I want to say like mischief afoot, but um, yes. I think it's a time when we can really like peel off all of the layers and get really still and you know get into our kind of witchy practices. And, and um, I really notice... It's a time, especially for Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, of of honoring our ancestors because the veil is so thin. It's it's a time when we, you know, we can connect up anytime we want. Um, but I feel like to have a special um sort of marked celebration of like, nope, this is the time, you know, we're gonna connect with our abuelos and you know, whoever else and and in our lineage. Um and inviting them in and honoring them. And I'm actually very curious because as we've been speaking, Morgan, about creating this, so we're going to be during the actual um, uh, event, we're going to be creating ancestor altars. And I know that when I talked with you about um, bringing in your ancestors, that there was, a, a, I don't want to call it a struggle, but there was a bit of um, ambiguousness because of your your mother was adopted. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that always been, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You know, again, it's like, I feel like my, 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 my practices are so built around imagination and, um, I don't have a really like well-defined, um, lineage to look back on in terms of like information and what I can get from my family. So I sort of just like, claim a part of the world that I know I've come from and Mm -hmm. that whole, like everything that exists in that part of the world gets to be mine. So Um, where is that Morgan? It's sort of like Eastern European. I claim Ireland and Scotland as well. Um, and when we were in, when we were in Ireland a couple years ago, I'd like had like some really big moments of feeling like, um, I have roots here and I can sort of claim, um, ancestry. I also just like have, again, clothing for me is huge. So like I have clothing that reminds me of something that a grandma knitted. And I, so I have a story around like, this is my, my, my great grandmother sweater that I, that I wear, or like Mm -hmm. I cook food from, like weird cookbooks. And I'm like, these are my people's food. And so just like engaging, I feel like in those practices of cooking and the type of clothes that I wear, um, it helps me to feel connected in that way. 
Um, mm. I have like this book here. That's a great, so again, here I am grabbing a book, yep, um, Scottish myths and legends. And like, <sighs> this is a practice for me that I engage with around this time of year and into winter where like, I want to read fairy tales and, um, I want to read folk tales and, how does that like what? And then I just connect to like how I feel about it. Right. So if like I read something and I'm like, oof, oh my gosh, there is something that lives inside of me that connects to this. Like yeah. then I claim it as mine. Right. Then it gets yeah. to like live on my, the altar of my experience. 100%. I'm right there with you. I call what I practice and what I teach buffet style spirituality because I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm similar to you in that I don't have like this huge, um, you know, family tree to look upon. I was estranged from my, um, mother's family from Spain at a very young age. And so I've had to sort of work to, claim my own traditions. And it's, it's especially, um, big with the food and the food I cook and, and these recipes that I've collected from all around the world, um, is sort of like, sorry, I'm getting a lot of messages. Um, is how I create my identity. Um, and I feel like as maybe as Americans, but I feel like also just as humans, like we, 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 we choose what works for us in a way. So for those of you who are thinking of joining our um, class, you know, even if you don't have this huge connection with your great grandparents and all of that, like we're all sort of mutts, you know, <laughs> so we can, we can choose what we draw wisdom from, you know? Um, and so just thinking of that, especially during this time of season, like last night I baked a chicken, you know, did I grow up with that? Like, no, but now I, I have become a person who, when the weather turns, I bake a chicken, you know, mm -hmm. and I just yes. love that. I feel like it's, it's, it's like an initiation into honoring who we have become as people, um, and, and, and using the traditions that have nourished us and the stories. Like, I love, I love that you are, are using those myths and, and I'm hugely inspired by Joseph Campbell's work too. I mean, he's like a total OG, yes. um, of, of identifying yourself within all of these other mythological stories and, and seeing yourself as the hero, but there's so much wisdom to draw upon from so many lineages. Yes. Yes. Mm. And it's nice, I think, to have some, um, like sovereignty over like the stories that you write for yourself. You know, I think that we just live in such an age that is like in a lot of ways, like very disconnected. Like, um, I think it's such a rare thing for people to really be able to like reach their fingers into a rich lineage and like actually hold something, um, and so for us to decide that like, we can, we can write something that feels maybe safer or more wholesome or that really holds us in a big way, um, is a powerful thing. Like, cause we know that we need our histories, like we need our lineage, like, especially as we do seasonal work of like going into winter, like you can't go into winter as like a nuclear person of like, I have no connections to anybody else. Like you will fail winter. Like you have to have a, 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 a study group up. of people at your back. Yeah. You've got to have your people and, and you get to decide who you bring with you. Mm, so that's what we're going to be doing together, everybody. Does it sound juicy to you? Um, it does to me. My God. And um, me too. Let's I can't upon, wait. 
It's going to be beautiful. So we're going to be doing a bit of that. And then we're going to be doing some embodiment practices, getting into our bodies, a little bit of journaling, bringing some poetry in. Um, what else, what else do we want to tell them about it? And like, you need no other experience than being a human, like just you get to come and you know, you can like wear a ball gown or you can like wear your jammies and like all of it is great. Like you are invited to come just as you are with whatever it is you bring with you. And once like the, once the practices and the teachings leave our lips, like it's yours to take yours to make your own, like yours to share with whoever you need to share it with. This is very like open source information. And so it's just, you and I get to sort of be, uh, be conduits for a moment and then, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody else can grab it and take it and make it their own. 100%. Ooh, I'm so excited. And I think more than anything, what I'm really pumped for is to come together in community because I've been really missing that. I feel like you're kind of my only witchy sister on Long Island. And so I'm excited that we'll be able to bring in all of our people from all the coasts and maybe even Europe, maybe even Australia, we'll call them in and, and just come together. It's a time, it's a time to connect and find community. So I'm so excited. So for those of you who are like, yes, sign me up. You can go to elenabox.podia.com slash rituals for the season. elenabox.podia.com slash rituals for the season. And you can sign up there and, um, yeah, it's going to be like a really beautiful gathering together. So, um, what else? So besides that for Morgan, where can we let people know to find you if they want to take your classes and join your community online? Mm, you can find me at morganroseyoga.com and, uh, I have a Patreon page, um, patreon.com slash morganroseyoga. And uh, I'd love to have you join the community, be a part of the circle. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. It's been a pleasure having you here, Morgan. I mean, I feel 100% so blessed to know you in this life. And it's just been such a fantastic weaving. Like we've both been, like we came together when we first met and then we both sort of went on our own paths and learning and like brought together all this juicy information. And now we're coming back together to serve it up. It's like, I mean, life is so good to have these kind of little surprises like, Oh, yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. I'm so grateful Mm. for you. I'm so grateful Mm. for this joining back in the circles looping around each other again. Yeah. 100%. Well, my friends, that concludes this episode of the O2Joy podcast. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you all again very soon. So much love.